Hi class, Prop JC here. Welcome back. Hope you had an amazing 4th of July. Got a chance to spend some time maybe with your friends, family, whatever you did. I hope you had a chance to enjoy your vacation. We're starting into a three-part series is what we're going to call this uh, that looks at this idea of trust. And you may be asking, what does trust have to do with purpose? How are those two intertwined? And the reality is an organization, a team, a person can't move forward towards their purpose, towards their vision, towards their mission, right? Towards purpose. If there's no trust, trust is a key factor in an organization becoming everything it needs to be, everything it wants to be. And so we're going to look at this idea of trust and we're, we're going to dive into it uh, and look at the enemies of trust, what it means to to build trust during the hard times, and then uh, what it looks like to start over. If trust has been broken, what does it mean to start over? So let's dive in today and let's, let's look at this article. It's from Harvard Business Review, and it talks about this idea of trust. Try and experiment sometime, the article says. Ask a group of managers in your company whether they and their closest managerial colleagues are trustworthy, and if so, how they know that they're trustworthy. Most will claim that they themselves are trustworthy and that most of their colleagues are as well. Their answers to the second half of the question will likely reflect their beliefs about personal integrity. You'll hear things like, I'm straight with my people, or she keeps her promises. Now, a little later, ask them whether they think they and their colleagues are capable of building trust within the organization. Because we've asked this question many times, we're pretty sure we know what you'll hear. A sizable percentage will say that they have little or no confidence in the group's capacity to build or maintain trust. So again, managers look at themselves and say, I'm trustworthy, but they don't look at the organization or team with that same mindset that says, uh, we can build trust, the team can build trust, the organization can build trust. So the question is, what accounts for the gap between the two sets of answers? With their differing responses, the managers are simply acknowledging a fact of organizational life. It takes more than personal integrity to build a trusting, trustworthy organization that can be focused on purpose. It takes skills, smart supporting processes, and unwavering attention on the part of top managers. Trust within an organization is far more complicated and fragile than trust between, say, a consultant and a client. With a client, you can largely flow the or control the flow of communication. In an organization, people are bombarded with multiple, often contradictory messages every single day. With a client, you can agree on desired outcomes up front. In an organization, different groups and have have different and often conflicting goals. You've you've seen this before. You've probably you've probably been a part of this before. With a client, you know if there's a problem in, in an organization, there's a good chance you don't. Even if you're in charge, if things aren't going, uh, if things aren't working out for a client, either party can walk away. That's usually not an option for the people in an organization, so they stick around. But if they think the organization acted in bad faith, they'll rarely forgive, okay? Trust within an organization is further complicated by the fact that people use the word trust to refer to three different kinds of trust. So we could be talking about trust, and in your mind, you're thinking about one aspect of trust, and I'm talking about something completely different. So here are the three, according to Harvard, here are the three uh, kinds of trust. First is strategic trust, the trust the employees have 
in the people running the show to make the right strategic decisions? Do top managers have the vision and competence to set the right course, allocate resources intelligently, fulfill the mission, and help the com- and, and help the company succeed? So that's the first kind of trust, strategic trust. Then we have what's called personal trust. Uh, the trust employees have in their own managers. Do the managers treat employees fairly? Do they consider employees' needs when making decisions about the business and put the company's needs ahead of their own? That's the second kind. The third kind of trust is organizational trust. The trust people have not in any individual, but in the company itself. Are the processes well-designed? Are they consistent, fair? Does the company make good on its promises? Clearly, these three types of trust are distinct, but they're linked in important ways. Every time an individual manager violates the personal trust of his or her direct reports, for example, their organizational trust will be shaken. Trust is key. And again, as leaders, we, we've got to make sure that we're maintaining trust um, because if we don't help maintain that trust and our employees lose trust or faith within the organization, engagement goes down, performance goes down, the outcomes, profit, all that kind of stuff, effectiveness, impact goes down as well. So let's talk about the link between trust and corporate performance. It's very important. Okay, so why are we talking about this, Prof. JC, right? You know, this is a business class. It's a leadership class. Why are we talking about this? Well, if there's no trust, there's no performance. As difficult as it is to build and maintain trust within organizations, it is critical, the article says. An established body of research demonstrates the links between trust and corporate performance. If people trust each other and their leaders, they'll be able to work through disagreements. They'll take smarter risks. They'll work harder, stay with the company longer, contribute better ideas, and dig deeper than anyone has the right to ask. If they don't trust the organization, and we've all been there before where we don't trust the organization and its leaders, they'll disengage from their work and focus instead on rumors, politics, and updating their resume. You've probably seen this before where you've worked, right? So the building blocks of trust are unsurprising, right? They're old-fashioned managerial virtues like consistency, and that is key when building trust. Probably more than anything else, I think consistency. You know, consistency with ourselves, consistency with the people we work with is a great trust builder. Clear communication, a willingness to tackle awkward questions. Now, in our experience, building a trustworthy and trusting organization requires close attention to those virtues. And this is Harvard speaking here, but it also requires a defensive game. So this, so, so this is what you can do on the offense. Be consistent, have clear communication, have a willingness to have the hard conversations, the difficult conversations. Okay. But the defensive part of it as well. Okay. There's a defensive aspect to building trust within your organization. You need to protect tr- you need to pr- protect trustworthiness from its enemies, both big and small, be- because trust takes years to build, but can suffer serious damage in just a moment. So we'll take a look at and and see. You've seen these before, and I think of recently here in our county. And I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, okay? Um, but this is an example. We had a, count- a county supervisor phenomenal human being, very talented, one of the most talented people uh, I've ever met in my entire life. I've, I've met him a couple of times. I've been in the room with him a couple of times. Incredibly brilliant, talented, well-spoken, uh, kind of the man's man, right? It's kind of the man we all want to be as men. Uh, those of us who are men on the call, just a dynamic human being. 
and was really on his track. I think a lot of people were thinking this guy's going to go to the governorship. You know, he's 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 gone on vacation with Governor Newsom. He married the right person. Everything was in his way. He was going from supervisor to the Senate, and people thought he's just going to continue climbing um, until he gets to that governorship. And I think a lot of people felt that he was on his way there. And then he broke trust. And there's a whole story about that. You can research that. I don't need to go into it. But in in, in a second, all of it was gone. Everything he'd worked his whole life, his entire life to get to, his whole resume, gone. I think about presidents we've had before, and there's one particular president I've got in the back of my mind. Another brilliant human being, well-educated, and worked his whole life to get to the presidency. He now will be, anytime people mention his name, they think not about him, but they think about the affair. At his funeral one day, many people will come up and list his incredible accomplishments but the conversation that people will have on the way uh, home from the funeral, driving from the funerals, boy, he was a good person. But man, it sure is a shame that he, you know, he made that mistake he made. Trust is is broken within an instant. Okay, it takes years to build sometimes, but it's broken in an instant. So we got to be careful. So here are the enemies list. Okay, so so again, it's really important for us that we're on the we're on the offensive. And that we have clear communications, we have consistency, we have the hard conversations, we live with integrity, we are integrity, we build companies that have integrity. But here are the the seven enemies of trust. Number one is this inconsistent messages. Inconsistent messages, one of the fastest growing destroyers of trust, inconsistent uh, messages can occur anywhere within the organization from senior managers on down. They can occur externally in the way that organizations communicate with it, with its customers or stakeholders. Either way, the republic the the repercussions are are uh, are significant. Okay. Now, here are the antidotes for inconsistent messages. You've heard this before, right? Somebody says one thing, they do something else. Somebody says one thing and then says something else a while later. You've got two different organizations or two different managers saying something different. It's all of that's inconsistent messages, right? It's not clear communication. People want clear communication, so there can't be inconsistent messages. You know, on a personal level, as a leader, if you state one thing, but you do something completely different, you're giving an inconsistent message, okay? And so that's got a reminder for all of us that I can't say one thing and to do another. That confuses people. It 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 makes people... Uh, uh, lose trust in you, it makes people lose trust in your organization. Now, the antidote to inconsistent messages are, 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 are straightforward, uh, the antidotes. Think through your priorities. Before you broadcast them, articulate to, to you know them to yourself or a trusted advisor. I always tell people, before you communicate outwards, communicate inwards. Before you communicate outwards to other people, make sure that you communicate inwards. Make sure you know the message that you're trying to get out there. That's really important, Okay. Uh, and that will help with those inconsistent, inconsistent messages. Number two, inconsistent standards. If employees believe that an individual manager or the company plays favorites, their trust will be eroded. Employees, watch this, employees keep score relentlessly. Okay. Employees keep score relentlessly. You've got to understand that your employees are always watching you. They're always talking about you. They're always thinking about you, right? People talk about what they know and what they know is you as the leader, as the manager. And so if you're, if you're setting inconsistent standards, and that means you set one standard for one person, one standard for another person, you got your favorites, you got the people who aren't your favorites, right? And I've, I've seen this in leadership and it breaks down trust within the team of the organization. 
when people can look and say, well, that's his favorite. That's her favorite. Okay. And employees keep score. And every day you're either going up on their checklist or you're going down on the checklist. And it's up to you which direction you want to move. Okay. Number three, misplaced benevolence. Misplaced benevolence. Managers know they have to do something about employee, about the employee who regularly steals, cheats, or humiliates coworkers. But most problematic behavior is subtler than that. And most managers have a hard time addressing it. Consider incompetence. Anyone who has spent time in business has encountered at least one person who is simply and sadly so out of his league or so out of her league that everyone is stupefied, stupefied that he's that he or she is in that position at all. Right. His colleagues wonder why the supervisor haven't haven't done anything about it. His direct reports learn to work around them, but it's a daily struggle because the person in question isn't harming anyone or anything else on purpose. Their supervisor is reluctant to punish him or her. But incompetence destroys value and destroys. So we've got to be able to have those conversations. And and I always tell people, you know, this works in a family. It works in, in the organization. You've got to set the expectations up front. That has to be done. If people don't have the expectations, they don't have the standards, they will fall short every single time. But then you can't you you can't go back and say anything because you because you didn't set the expectations. You've got to set the expectations up front. And then there are people with a cloud of negativity around them, right? These are often people who've been passed over for promotion or feel like they've been shortchanged on bonuses or salaries. They don't do anything outright to, to, to sabotage the organization, but they see the downside of everything. It's that person who's the negative Nelly, the negative Nancy, the negative, you know, Ned, right? Always, always looking for the negative. That person will bring you down. You know, I see, I'll be honest with you. I see it every single semester in, in every class I have. There's always one person who's a little bit more negative, and it's the person who sees things the worst. And it's the person who always has to raise their hand and have to be the contrarian. Now, now some of that is good. Okay. So I, I don't want to say you you want to get rid of that. Some of that's good to to empower people who speak differently, to empower people who have uh, different opinions, who have different ways of thinking. Some of that's good. Some of that's right. It's important. But if it's a person who's always negative, that's going to be a person who um, brings down trust, right? And if we don't, if we don't have the tough conversations, it's, 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 it's going to, it's going to lessen trust within the entire team organization. And then finally, people who are volatile, or just plain mean, often get away with appalling behavior because of their technical competence. They're very good at their job, so we let the other things slide, right? Extremely ambitious people similarly tend to steamroll their colleagues, destroy teamwork, and put their own agendas ahead of the organization's interest. In both cases, in both cases, ask yourself, is this person so valuable to the company that we should tolerate uh, this behavior? Now, again, it's not ambition, and so I want to make that clear. And I, I tell this to managers all the time. Do not just go out and get rid of your ambitious people. You know, uh, the ones who will speak back, the ones who got standards. Don't do that. You need them in the company. But you also got to understand that 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 they've got to be tamed, right? If they're going to work in a business, you know, if they can't be tamed, I always tell people, if, if you've got someone who can't be tamed, encourage them to go out and start their own business. Encourage them to go out there and become a CEO of their own, you know, CEO of their own company. Right. Use all that energy in a different way. But if you're going to work within a corporation, you got to be able to work as a member of the team. So that's number three. Number four is this false feedback. 
Now watch this. When an incompetent or unwise or, or otherwise unsuitable person is let go, managers often face wrongful termination suits. Look at these performance reviews. The supposed victim says they're great. And she is right or he is right. The performance reviews are great. The problem is that they're all lies. Being honest about employees' shortcomings is difficult, particularly when you have to talk to them about their performance regularly face-to-face. But you must do it. If you don't honor your company's systems, you won't be able to terminate employees whose work is unacceptable. What's, What's more is employees who are worthy of honest praise will become demoralized. Why should I work this hard? Right? They ask themselves, so-and-so doesn't, and everyone knows it, but they but they happen to get the same bonus, right? It's one of the reasons why I've had people ask before, um, you know, in classes. I used to be much more lenient, and I think I'm pretty lenient as a professor even to this day, but I'm starting to raise those standards up a little bit the better I get at what I do. But one of the things that hit me was um, I used to be lenient on people who turn in late assignments. And 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 then I started realizing, I think I told somebody this or whatever, I said, I don't really. And, and they said, well, what about all the other people in the class? If you've got a class of 30 people and you've got, you know, three of them that are that, that can't turn things in on time, but you've got all, you know, the rest of them. You know, what does that say to the rest of the class when they're all walking away with the same grades? And I, and, and, and that made a that made a difference to me. And it made me realize, okay, you know, something that I've got to take into um, into consideration. Um, it's a little bit off the subject there, but it's 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 that same. It's this idea of false feedback, right? You've got to be, and it goes back to setting the expectations, setting the standards. That's a big part of of uh, that. That's a huge part in in building trust. But part of it is you can't give false feedback. You can't be telling someone they're doing. A, <laughs> that they're doing a great job week and week after row. And, and you know, on the inside, you know that they're not doing a good job. You end up firing them. And then you set yourself up for a lawsuit, right? You've got to be able to, you've got to be willing and able and courageous enough to have those tough conversations. Number five is this, and this might hit somebody right where it needs to trust, uh, failure to trust others. This is an enemy of trust. Failure to trust other people. Trusting others can be difficult, especially for a perfectionist or workaholic. And here's the deal. A lot of you people out there have gotten to where you've gotten because you're perfectionist, because you're a workaholic. Okay, But then you get into the workplace and you realize not everybody has the same values you do. Not everyone's going to work as hard as you do. You know, one of the things that I tell people, and I stole this from Gary Vaynerchuk, is do not expect, especially if you're the employer, do not expect your employees to work as hard as you do. They don't have the same stake in the company that you have, especially if you're a founder. Don't expect everyone to come in and work with that same that same energy that you, that you have. You are the founder. Not everyone else is going to work the same way, right? You've got to learn how to trust people, okay? You've got to learn how to trust people. Uh, I want to read this example here. One top manager we worked with, and this is Harvard again, swore that he was going to delegate several important responsibilities. He brought in a new person at a senior level, but he was simply unable to trust her to do the work. After a few weeks, he began managing around her, issuing directives about things he had supposedly delegated and generally making her life miserable. Eventually, the manager's hoarding behavior left him isolated and hobbled. You, You know that. You've seen this before. It's the micromanaging person. And often behind a micromanager is not so so much that they want to control. They just don't trust people, right? They've been burnt in the past before, or they're workaholic, they're perfectionist, nobody reaches their standard. So they micromanage everything because of a lack of trust. You got to give up on that though. Okay. That breaks down trust. 
I've worked for a micromanager before. They are hard people to work for, and it breaks down trust in the organization, breaks down trust in the team, breaks down trust in yourself, right? When we micromanage, when we micromanage other people, they lose the ability to trust the, uh, uh, their own selves and their own uh, their own intuition. That grows when you give people freedom. Okay, and it, and it goes on to say here, right? Um, and it goes on to talk about this here. Uh, well, one says here. Okay, so I've got seven enemies of trust. One says here. So the fifth one is failure to trust others. The 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 sixth one is elephants in in the parlor. Elephants in the parlor. Some situations are so painful or politically charged that it's easier to pretend they don't exist. We're talking about when somebody has been fired abruptly and no one mentions it. The next day, it's the, I've 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 seen this done before. It's the worst thing to do. You fire somebody. You, you got to talk about it. You got to bring it up in front of the staff meeting. Okay. We're talking about when an outrageous rumor finds its way to the CEO's office, yet no one ever discusses it openly, even in private senior management meetings. Don't ignore the things that you know everyone is whispering about behind closed doors. Again, that's an enemy of trust. If everybody's talking about it, you got to talk about it as well. You got to get out in front of this. Leadership is about being intentional, it's about being out in front of the issue. It's not always responding. It's about being out in front. Rumors, uh, number seven is this, rumors in a vacuum. Number seven is this, rumors in a vacuum. When a company's in the throes of a complex initiative, a new product launch, or the analysis of a product line that has been underperforming, there are ample opportunities for trust to break down. Employees know that something important is going on, but if they don't know the full story, and maybe the full story doesn't exist yet, they quite literally, naturally over-interpret any shared, um, any shard of information they they can get their uh, their hands on. So rumors circulate, and in most cases, they'll be negative and rather positive. Temporary information vacuums in corporate life are common, and distrust thrives in a vacuum. Okay, so we've got. I think I said seven at the beginning. We have eight enemies of trust. And number seven is there rumors in a vacuum. You've got to deal with the rumors. Again, this goes back to if people are talking about it, you've got to be talking about it. Okay. It's amazing what our employees know. That's why I recommend a culture where you can have radical truth and radical transparency because you're going to learn a lot more about what needs to be done and what needs to be done better if you allow your uh, your employees to speak to you, to speak openly and, and honestly. And, and number eight is this, consistent corporate underperformance. Consistent corporate underperformance. If a company regularly fails to meet the expectations set by its senior management team and adopted by Wall Street, trust erodes rapidly. You got to look at the companies like Kodak and Polaroid and Xerox in times of decline. When an organization's performance is weaker than expected, a growing number of employees at all levels fear for themselves on a daily basis, they spend less time thinking for the organization and more time planning their own next move. So there we go. The eight enemies of trust. And I think it said seven and I said seven and, and I'm going through this and I realized that I missed one yesterday as I was putting this together. So here are the eight enemies of trust. Now, here's what I want us to do. Okay. <clears throat> here's what I want us to do. Eight enemies of trust. First is I want you to do this. When we talk about this issue of trust, what are the three kinds of trust that exist according to what Harvard says? What are the three kinds of trust uh, that exist? You don't need to write anything about them. Just tell me what the three kinds are, okay? And, and then I want you just to list out, 
I want you to list out the eight enemies of trust. And don't make these up on your own, okay? I know some of you were getting to that point in the semester. You're fast-forwarding to this part right here. You're listening to this part right here, and you're making stuff up. I can tell that, okay? Don't make stuff up. You got to listen to the podcast, okay? So go back and listen. Get those eight enemies of trust. Um, and I want you to write those out. And then I want you to write out which one is most important to you and why. Okay, based on your own experience, tell me a story. Tell me about a time that you saw one of these enemies of trust and how it impacted you. So again, um, uh, I want you to tell me what are the three kinds of trust that we talked about earlier on. Okay, I want you to list out the eight enemies of trust, the eight enemies of trust, and then I want you to tell me which one of these 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 enemies um, is one that has impacted you the most. And then tell me why. You can tell me a story, something like that. You don't have to write, you know, five pages or anything like that, but just tell me a little bit about it. All right, everybody. Next week, we will continue in the series, The Enemies of Trust. And we're going to look at how do you how do you maintain trust? How do you build trust? How do you keep trust going in tumultuous times, in difficult times? We'll talk about that next week. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.